Hello, and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk podcast. Today is Wednesday, April 8th, and I am joined by my good buddy, Santino Cocone again, and we are here to continue breaking down some nice NBA teams for you guys, uh, give a nice landscape of what the season might look like when we kick back off and, uh, you know, kind of what's been going on up until this point. So, Santino, we're here to talk about the Lakers. We're here to talk about the Clippers, two of the most prominent teams in the NBA right now, most likely our Western Conference Finals, um, if, if playoffs starts to, you know, get back into us. Uh, but how are you doing? How's your day going so far? We're starting this a little later in the afternoon, so I'm going with an iced coffee right now rather than a hot, switching it up. Ooh. But how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, you mentioned it. It's about three o'clock right now on the East Coast. It's a little chilly, chillier than yesterday. Yesterday was beautiful out. Oof. Um, but yeah, today is just a normal day, getting ready to go into it. And like you said, we're talking about my personal opinion, the two best teams in the league, regardless of conference. Um, they are going to meet in the Western Conference Finals if we get basketball going, and things don't take another turn for the worst. But um, yeah, these these are two really the two best teams in the league, in my opinion. Absolutely, and it's you know you can't say that enough. Both of them have two absolute you know perennial all stars on their team, two of the best defenders on each one of their teams. Um, these two teams basically built each other to go against each other. They were even lobbying for players halfway through the season. Uh, we saw both of them trying to get Marcus Morris. We saw both of them trying to go after a few guys. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to talk about this. I know you're a diehard Laker fan, so I couldn't imagine anybody else doing this show other than you. Uh, so that's why I'm going to talk about the Lakers. No, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to you. But we have a lot to get to today. Uh, you know, these are two teams that I'm sure a lot of people were kind of circling their calendar waiting to hear uh, us talk about, maybe not us in particular, but trying to get some extra information out there for you guys. So we're going to jump right into it. We're going to talk about the Lakers right off of the rip. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, oh, I said Lakers. I meant Clippers. Saying, Look at that. I'm losing my mind yeah, already. So save the best the for last. We say yeah. we save the, the premier purple and gold for the last team. Well, they are pretty prepared, but we're going to jump right into it. We'll talk about the Clippers. Uh, my, my mistakes on that one, guys. But uh, obviously some additions coming into the season, bringing in Paul George, uh, Kawhi Leonard being there now completely different team than they were the year prior still have some of their foundational pieces such as Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell those guys have stayed there they lost Danilo Gallinari uh, and then they even made some splashes bringing in Marcus Morris to, for a potential playoff run and then did you I don't know Santino if you happen to catch it right before this all halted they brought back the veteran center and Joakim Noah uh, can't really explain why necessarily. I guess added depth. I, I think Zubak is doing a hell of a job in the limited minutes he's been getting on the season so far. Uh, but nonetheless, they have another passing center involved in their game, uh, and he'll probably maybe sniff 20 minutes of court time total when this is all said and done. But we'll break this down from a DFS perspective because that's what we like to do over here. And I mean, when you look at this Clippers team, the pace is good. Uh, you know, you, you, you can't you can't argue against their pace they've been playing at the eighth fastest pace in the nba so far this season uh, and that should probably continue to play i don't see that changing anytime soon as soon as these guys start to get more court time meaning you know leonard and george together they're gonna only want to push it a little bit faster they brought also brought in reggie jackson so a nice uh backup point guard who also likes to push the pace and play in that kind of system so i don't expect this to slow down for them at any point in time they, they should continue to put up buckets it's just uh, almost in the aspect of the Bucks, when we talk about the Clippers, it's hopefully they can get all four quarters because the Clippers are just that dang good. Uh, you know, they put the clamps on teams defensively and then they have plenty of scoring options that they can go to as well, where they generally, you know, if they're going to win the game, they have that game intact before the fourth quarter even starts. But needs to say eighth pace, great team overall. Um, I'm looking at, you know, Kawhi Leonard's usage, obviously. Uh, is going to be the biggest thing that we want to take a look at when we look at this team. And he's just sporting a 33% usage rate in 51 games this season. Uh, absolute stud. I know that the challenge coach sent out, uh, I think it was about a week ago, where two teams with guys with at least 30% usage. The Clippers just fall under that mark because Paul George has a 29.6% usage rate. So that just goes to show you uh, they're pretty top-heavy team. And then Lou Williams, not even far behind Paul George, 28.3% usage rate. That's a little skewed, though, given the fact that these two guys have barely been on the court with each other at all this season. Um, so, you know, we got to take that with a little grain of salt. Then same thing could be said with Montrez Harrell. He's supporting a, a 25.5% uh, usage rate as well. But the Clippers, I touched on it, Sonny. They're a defensive-oriented team. I mean, when we just look at the collective group of guys that they have and how, you know, just the, the notorious factor known with these guys playing their defense, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and then Patrick Beverly, 
I, could you think of a prototypical more annoying team to play on 2K than this team right here? Um, no, not really. And you, you hit it right there with Leonard, George, and Beverly. They can guard pretty much anyone one through three, even four. Um, and then you throw in Marcus Morris there. Montrezl Harrell's not a bad defender as well. This team just clamps down people, and you don't want to play them. Uh, you don't want to play them in DFS especially because of this reason. And you just don't want to play them overall when they're healthy because they – and not, on, or not only do they clamp down on defense, these people can switch. Um, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, they can switch whoever they're guarding seamlessly. Same with Patrick Beverly. Marcus Morris is going to go into that mix. He's not as elite of a defender as those two or three, but he's a pretty good defender in his own right. Um, so this team is very hard to beat. And it's just not they, – they have team defense. They're really good at that, and they're really good at individual defense. And it's just they seamlessly transition into whoever they're guarding. And, yeah, you don't want to go against them. No, and it's just – it's that bottom line. I mean, we're talking about Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, uh, you know, and then Patrick Beverly. And you've been bringing up Montrezl Harrell. Uh, people underestimate Montrezl Harrell. He's a lot better actual basketball player than people give him credit for. A lot of the times it's just simply because the dude comes off the bench and doesn't start, but that just works so well for this Clippers team and their system. Um, and we've even kind of seen the same thing happen when he was over there in Houston uh, you know, prior to being a Clipper. So uh, I'm a big Montrezl Harrell guy. And, you know, I wanted to talk about the kind of the rebounding aspect of this team because, yes, Zubac starts most games. Um, Montrezl Harrell comes off the bench, but we see the rebounding percentages. We look at Kawhi Leonard. We look at Paul George, both these guys teetering on a 20 percent defensive rebounding percentage, which is it just speaks volumes for these guys as a whole, because, you know, their actual rebounding percentage, total rebounding, not including offensive, 11.7 for Kawhi Leonard and then 10.2 for Paul George. And I, 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 you know, my take on this, Santino, and you tell me if I'm wrong or maybe the way that you're looking at it is when you look at a guy that is two guys that just clamp people down defensively but then also have a pretty high defensive rebounding percentage for players that are not centers. They are forwards, you know, they are wing players. Um, it just shows that these guys, like you said, playing great individual uh, defense, taking the guy, uh, maybe it's an ISO, it's a one-on-one on the outside, whole, clamping to him all the way to the paint, playing great defense, but then also coming up with the board on top of it. So uh, I'm, I'm like ecstatic when it comes to playing these two guys. The only thing that we have to keep in, in mind when we're, when we are targeting these guys for DFS is, Things like back-to-backs for Kawhi Leonard, you know, he generally doesn't play on the back-to-backs. Paul George is dealing with, you know, multiple injuries, coming off of multiple shoulder surgeries to the point where they're limiting him as much as possible. I think he was just starting to get into a a nice solid groove before the season got halted, Uh, you know, starting to play like, you know, solid minutes over 32 and 33, where he was mostly floating around that high 20 range. And that's something that we're going to want to take into account when we're looking to play these guys in playoffs is, you know, how many minutes are they going to get? Minutes equal money. Um, You know, factor this in, though. Regular season games, the Clippers, they were kind of treating them as a joke. Uh, You know, they know they're a perennial playoff team right now if they're going to hold this roster together. And that's the number one concern. Get the playoffs, get our guys healthy, keep them healthy, and then let them just unleash in playoffs. You know, these guys being limited, they should be full tank, full bore, ready to go when that does come into fruition. But I wanted to talk about the backcourt a little bit with you because now it seems like it's a little jumbled up. They have three true point guards, I guess you could say, being Patrick Beverly, uh, and then Lou Williams, who I guess he's more of a two, but he does much better with the ball in his hand than playing off ball. And then, we, had, like I said, they brought in Reggie Jackson over there in Detroit. So, you know, could we trust any of these point guards when, when the season does kick back off in playoffs? Are we going to be targeting any of these guys for DFS? What do you think? Uh, when they're all there, I'm going to stay away. If you're going to target anybody, it's Lou Williams. And, um, I mean, because he, he is close to that – Paul George's usage, he's still getting about 28% usage, but then you factor in that Paul George has missed most of the season. Kawhi Leonard's missed a lot of games um, and, and and so forth, so on and so forth. But if you're going to target anybody of those three, it's got to be Lou Williams because he's the only one who can reliably score. He can shoot the three ball. Um, he's, he's a solid defender. He can get you some steals. Um, but Reggie Jackson's not going to play enough when they're when everybody's healthy to see the um, – to get you too many fantasy points. Patrick Beverly is more of a really good defender, a really good real-life player, but he's not someone you're going to look at for DFS or fantasy for that matter. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not going to totally go towards them. I think Lou Williams' price tag's in the six, six to 7,000 range, which is you're, you're asking for 35, 40 points from him at the minimum. I don't, You can't see that reliably when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are there. Um, all the, for 30 minutes or so a game. So, yeah, I would stay away from them. Yeah, it's it's 
right there. It's tough. You can't you can't depend on any of these guys if they're going to be divvying up the minutes. And, you know, part of the reason it looks like that they brought Jackson into L.A. was primarily just because Patrick Beverly was struggling to stay healthy. He was dealing with multiple nagging injuries um, and they just needed somebody else. I guess they do prefer to play Lou Williams at the two. They'd rather have him be that prototypical score in that second unit. Him and Montrez Harrell just running pick and rolls a lot, too. Um, you know, we're talking about a team that's top five offense, top five defense. They have the recipe. They have the depth. Um, and that's primarily the reason they have plenty of depth at point guard where, you know, if one of these guys do need a night off, if one of these guys, you know, being Leonard, being George, uh, need to take a little spell, uh, you know, sit until the fourth quarter, they have plenty of ball handlers. They have plenty of wing players and they have plenty of other guys that they can go to. Um, it's surprising, you know, there's not very often, uh, you get to see two teams in the top five that we're going to talk about the Lakers and the Clippers, uh, be top five in offensive rating and defensive rating. It's not very often we get to see that in any years. Um, and they're the only two teams in the NBA right now that are doing it. I mean, the other two teams that are above them offensively, the Mavericks and the Rockets, they're not there clearly defensively. Both those teams get gouged defensively. And when we look at the top uh, defensive teams that are above both of these guys, it's the Bucks, it's the Raptors. Uh, and, you know, obviously both teams have good offenses, but they primarily win with their defenses. And maybe I lied. I, I think there is one other team that is top five offensive rating and defensive rating, and that's the Celtics. Uh, but these teams, let's be real, they're not in the same level as the Celtics right now. The Celtics have to play in the Eastern Conference. They get a lot of easier matchups. And uh, we're talking about the Clippers and the Lakers having to run through some of the top teams in the Western Conference. So, I mean, I, I wanted to touch on that. And I think the big factor that people need to take into account um, is going to be what these what these teams look like when they are missing these star players. So we, we've touched on already, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard needed to sit on back-to-backs. Paul George needed time rest. And, you know, who could we expect to step up if these guys do need to miss any playoff games? If they do need to, you know, obviously they're probably not going to be resting any playoff games. But injuries happen. So I wanted to touch on a few of the guys that you're going to be looking at. Um, you know, let's say when Kawhi Leonard comes off the floor, because he's probably the most notable guy that we've seen rest this season. Uh, you know, we're talking about Lou Williams. You touched on it. His usage jumps from that 28 to a 32.3 usage percentage with Kawhi Leonard off the floor. He's averaging 1.26 fantasy points. And that's the theme is that 1.26 because Montrez Harrell is doing the exact same thing. And I think that's the two guys that we all like to immediately gravitate towards when we see one of these superstars playing. You know, obviously, Paul George gets a nice boost. His usage jumps up to 33 and averages almost 1.5 DK points per minute. But we're paying a premium price when it comes to Paul George. And we know we can get Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams for significantly cheaper and still get a boatload of usage and fantasy points from that aspect. Is there anybody else that kind of stands out to you as guys that we might be able to look at on this team if if Kawhi Leonard or Paul George were to sit out? Um, Not really, but the guy that they just brought in, Marcus Morris, would be someone to consider he had a he was having a career year in new york before this trade went down especially earlier in the season if one of those two guys are out there's a lot more shots going around and marcus morris showed this year that he's not afraid to take them and he's not afraid um to do damage with them um, i should say not afraid i just say he he will do damage with them as he's shown so he's another guy that i would look into um i guess you could if you're really digging for the bargain bin uh Landry Shamit, but he's not someone I'm going to look at unless both of them are out. Uh, Patrick Beverly, we've mentioned, he's some guy. You, he's a guy you could look at, but you're not really going to target. It's pretty much Lou Williams, Montrezl Hero, Marcus Morris, maybe a Zubak, but he's also an unreliable um, to get over 25 minutes a game. So those are just more deep bargain bins, um, Hail Mary type guys that you're looking for. But if you're looking for the guys that you know are going to produce without a Kawhi or a George, it's Lou Williams and Harrell and uh, to a lesser extent, Marcus Morris, because we haven't seen him too much with the team, but we know that he is capable of producing when he's getting the minutes and the shots and the opportunity. Yeah, he's he's versatile. Um, it's one thing, like you know, they remember him coming out of college. Him and his brother coming out of Kansas is that they didn't, you know, these guys were playing power forwards in college, but uh, Marcus was originally the one that kind of shifted over to the three and started playing a three for most of his career, and you know. Being able to do that in this day and age in the NBA is super important. I mean, you need to have guys that can cover and guard multiple positions. Uh, if they want to take this small ball approach, they can even play Marcus Morris at center going against a guy like P.J. Tucker and still be extremely successful with that. So, um, I mean, that's yeah. pretty much a lot of the stuff I wanted speaking to touch of on. That, sorry, you got something? Yeah, speaking of that, um, before everything went down the wire, down the drain, there was talking that they really – the Clippers wanted to have their – New Hamptons five per se on the court, and that was Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, and then Montrezl Harrell switching in for one of the the um, 
Leonard George or Morris, but that's how they wanted their their five to go, and they really wanted to play those six the majority of minutes. So if that if that is the case, um, wow, good luck scoring on a lot of that lineup because that's a very versatile, dangerous team to go against, and it's just it's one reason why I think they are. Um, the second best team in the league, if not best. And it's just when you get in that, when you have to play that lineup or those six uh, predominantly in a seven game series, it's very, it's going to be uh, extremely difficult to take four games from them. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you touching on the fact that they can just, you know, swap Harrell in for any one of those guys just goes to tell you that they're going to, you know, they're going to be aggressive on defense. They're not worried necessarily about one of these guys getting into too bad of foul trouble early uh, because they have, they are so versatile. You know, they could, you know, Kawhi Leonard gets into foul trouble. They can just slide uh, Paul George down, put Morris at the four, and then in comes Montrezl Harrell, still yep. just an effective offensive unit, still going to be just as effective on defense as well. Uh, it's going to be tough. When you know when you know guys are going to challenge you on every single play, you, you make, uh, you know, top offensive options kind of hesitate a little bit more, knowing that they're going to be a little bit more aggressive, that they're not as worried about the foul trouble. Uh, something that the, you know, the Knicks wish that Mitchell Robinson could do. Uh, he's generally concerned about his foul trouble, and you see that they can only get like 22 to 24 minutes out of him a night. But, you know, maybe if they had another go-to defensive option, another go-to defensive center, uh, they just have nine centers who all have holes in their games. Some can't play defense, some are stretch fours, some can't pass. Uh, but if they yeah. had that other option, kind of like what the Clippers have, they'd be a lot more effective on defense on defense. So, and you mentioned the, I mean, uh, why, why they brought in Reggie Jackson and it's, and then you touched upon the foul trouble In the playoffs. If, if you have foul trouble, Reggie Jackson's not a great player. Uh, he's a pretty good player, but he's not a great player. But when he's your third string point guard and the third option off the bench in the, in the guard rotation or fifth, fourth, fifth option off the bench in the full guard rotation. I mean, that's a steal. That's a guy that, you know, can come in and compete at a high level and, um, compete in playoff basketball and and do his do what he needs to do to get the job done same with Zubak you know he starts but another guy you can throw in for 20 minutes you mentioned Joe Kim Noah before um very bad now and he's way past his prime but a guy if you need him to throw 10 minutes into a playoff game I mean he's gonna he's gonna hustle and he's always done that through his career throughout his career so these are just guys that are overlooked now and aren't where they were or where they used to be in their prime but when you're coming off the bench and you're not expected to do much except for play a handful of minutes a game, they'll give you solid production in those minutes, and you can count on um, productive veterans from the past to help you win playoff games, and that's what they're trying to go for, go for the championship this year. Yeah, and it's it's the new recipe. I mean, you play for this year. We've seen teams in the past, you know, kind of take that Sixers approach, and you know, let's take some years to build up and. Uh, the Raptors kind of threw that out the window once they said, hey, you know what, we'll take one year of Kawhi Leonard and we'll take one year of having a championship. We're perfectly OK with that. Uh, but, you know, now the Clippers, we're going to jump right into their contracts, I guess, because that's going to speak forward to next season. Uh, they don't have to worry about losing George. They don't have to worry about losing Leonard. They have both these guys locked in until at least 2021 or 21, 22, when both guys have player options. And Patrick Beverly locked in uh, until that same exact time frame. So they have their defensive core until at least 21, 22. Uh, you know, the only real guys that they need to worry about losing in the offseason is going to be Marcus Morris, the new addition. He's on $15 million contract right now, and he's going to be a free agent next season. Uh, you know, I'm sure he'll draw a lot of interest from contending teams around the league, and he very well will probably explore all those options. And I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up somewhere with his brother again, because these two have said throughout their careers they love playing with each other, they love living with each other, and that's what they're doing right right now, uh, living with each other in L.A. So it wouldn't shock me, um, but maybe they stay where they are because now they're still close enough to each other where they can hang out every day. And then the big name that they can potentially lose, which you got to understand, like imagine that he's going to draw some significant interest, is Montrez Harrell. Um, and he's just on that dirt cheap contract right now. He's only getting $6 million this season. He's set to get paid next season. Um, it's going to be tough for the Clippers to let this guy walk because they, obviously they're, they're not – committed in, in Zubak. I mean, they barely play the guy minutes, even though he's under contract till 22, 23, um, low salary. And then they bring in Joe Kim Noah. Uh, what do you think happens with Harold? Do you, I mean, do you think that the Clippers were going to throw, you know, a near max towards him? Um, I don't know if they can resign him. I think, what are they at? Like 115 to 20 million next year already without Harold. If you sign him to, he, he's probably going to get near a max contract. I'll throw out 25 million a year. I mean, I could see that easily. 
if that that's they're at 140 right there they won't be able to bring in anybody else uh it's going to be very hard for them to get him and bring in a couple other people to round out that roster so i don't know if he's going to stay there Uh, maybe i think he might go for a team where he gets more of a role Uh, maybe he maybe he wins a championship this year and then decides to leave but it's going to be really hard to uh, keep him though uh, talking about contracts lou williams is one of the best contracts in the league at eight million dollars a year um don't I, I know how he took a hometown hometown discount to stay there, but man, that's that's a great contract, and uh, you have your third scoring option locked in for a very cheap contract, regardless of who else they bring in. And he's such a veteran presence too, man. Thirty three years old, he is okay with being that sixth man. He's been that he's been okay just handling that role for years now. Uh, even you know thinking about a guy who was just like a scoring machine when he used to play over there in Philly. Uh, I believe it was next to Andre Iguodala at some point. Those two uh, were dominating backcourt. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the kind of this team. I think they have some other good contracts that we didn't touch on. Landry Shamet. It looks like he's going to be a nice lights out shooter of the future. A uh, nice little bench score for them. The guy's only getting two million. He's still on one of his young rookie deals. So uh, not expected to see a nice little pay increase till 21-22. They're going to get Pat Pat off the books, which is pretty much one of the most useless NBA players at this point. Uh, I really don't know how Patrick Patterson has a roster spot over some players that you know are playing in the G League right now. I mean. Christian Woods, a guy that was struggling to get on a roster up until this point this season. And you see guys like Patrick Patterson just not playing really any minutes and just taking up a roster spot for about two and a half million a season. But you're right. I mean, it's going to it's going to be tough for them to, you know, hold a guy like uh, like Harrell and then still have some money to play with in, in free agency. But I, I th- I'd have to think that they at least shoot, you know, the, the biggest offer that they possibly could. I mean, he's a foundational piece of their core and. I mean, looking at this team, is there much more that they really need to add? You know what I mean? I think they're I think they're pretty much good to go to make a playoff run at this point. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously in the playoffs when you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in your team. Uh, that's that's no doubt about it. But uh, depending on who's out there, maybe they pass up Harold, maybe they don't. But um, I don't know. We could we'll see what happens. They could even try and get a couple of veterans to squeeze into the playoffs next year and then make a big run for a superstar player the year after they have a lot of avenues to play with now that they're showing that they can bring star players there, that they're showing that they're a really good team. They got doc rivers. They have a great owner in Balmer. Um, they, they're about to build a new stadium. Um, so yeah, they, they have a lot going for them, but Harold's going to be, Harold's going to be a big question this summer coming up to them. What to do with Montrezl Harold. Do we want to bring him back at his, probable high price tag or do we want to see what else we can do but that's something that they're going to have to decide what once the season ends absolutely i'm with you um another little fun fact before we bounce off of uh off the clippers they only have one player on their team right now that that's got a decent role we could say that's played more than you know 35 games um with a negative plus minus right now <laughs> which i mean we could imagine they're dominating teams they're good on offense they're good on defense but it just speaks volumes right there for him. I mean, the difference that Kawhi Leonard makes on the court uh, is is insane. I mean, his plus minus is a 398 on the season. Uh, the next highest on the team after that looks like it's coming from Patrick Beverly at 262. So the difference makers come on defense. Defense wins championship, Santino. So I'm going to let you roll right into uh, the Los Angeles Lakers now, your home team, your favorite team. Uh, I, I've seen all the, the Kobe jerseys at your house. I've seen the lower Marion I know your faithhood is in this team. So let me hear what you got from them. Uh, things you've noticed, things you're looking forward to seeing, and how you think this team's going to do in playoffs once things roll around, even though I'm pretty sure we already know the answer to that question. Um, yeah, so the Lakers, obviously, I think they're the best team in the league. Um, maybe a little biased, but the stats support it as well. Uh, they're a top five team in offensive rating, top five, top three team in defensive rating, and they're number 12 in pace. So they play at a, a decent pace. Uh, they don't they don't run too fast, but they don't grind you down either. And they're just very good. Um, and you have LeBron James. Anytime a team has LeBron James, he's shown it throughout his career. You're gonna be in the playoffs, and not only be in the playoffs, you're most likely gonna be in the the championship. Um, the guy made what eight eight nine straight NBA Finals before an injury plagued his first and big injury in his entire career last year. And before that happened, they were the three seed. Um, before LeBron went down and then Alonzo Ball joined him and then Ingram and all the whole season derailed, they were the number three seed. They were looking really strong. I didn't personally think they were going to make noise in the playoffs. They only had they didn't really have much 
besides LeBron James for anybody who had playoff experience. But this year they have uh, the, the big guy, Anthony Davis, two guys that are averaging almost or LeBron's averaging about 32% usage. Anthony Davis is a shade under 30. And then everybody else on this team is very good role player, veteran. Um, Kyle Kuzma is their third option. But for DFS, I'm really not looking for him unless LeBron or AD is hurt. Um, Kuzma gets like a 20, 23% usage, uh, but he doesn't even average a fantasy point a minute. And then there's really nobody else in there that gets over a 20% usage. I guess you can throw in Quinn Cook, but he's a role player. But everybody else is pretty much also role players. Um, you got Dwight Howard, KCP, Marcus, Markeith Morris, uh, Javal McGee, who's probably is a decent option. He's actually he doesn't get a big usage, but he's I think he's third on the team in uh, fantasy points per minute because he does get you those blocks. He gets you a solid amount of rebounds. He doesn't do anything really negative for you, but he's also a guy that you're not going to target unless you need a bargain barrel uh, center option. And then you have Rondo and just all those people like uh, Avery Bradley, Alex Cruz. So these are all decent guys to have on teams, but you're not going to look at them in DFS. It's pretty much LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and if you need to, Kyle Kuzma, but I'm staying away from Kyle Kuzma as well. Yeah, I mean, even with Kuzma now, like he's a guy that, you know, we run the numbers with AD off the floor. He obviously gets a nice big bump, 25% usage rate with AD off the floor, not even averaging a fantasy point per minute, like you said. And it doesn't help that they recently bring in Markeith Morris, who happens to play the same exact position. Maybe they can get away mm-hmm. with him at the three a little bit. You can't imagine that this team's going to go small too often, knowing that they have Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee as their centers, and then also Anthony Davis, who they can play at center as well. So they're primarily going to be playing, you know, bigger most of the times and kind of force teams to play uh, their kind of brand of basketball, you know, rather than kind of conforming to this small ball approach that we've seen a lot of other teams do. Um, So, I mean, he's not a guy that we can really be overly excited about. Um, it's kind of funny. We were talking about this on the Pelicans. This is the one guy that they wanted to keep so bad. And they got, they got rid of Ingram. They got rid of Ball. They got right. rid of Hart. All three of those guys looking like better players just in, in general, all around, fantasy, you name it, uh, than Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma just looks like the guy that people like to like. You know, he's, he's an L.A. type guy, so I guess he fits in that manner. But it only takes a couple a couple seasons of having done, down seasons in L.A. where uh, they're saying get rid of this guy pretty quickly. So I'm yeah. with you. It's, it's, it's tough to rely on anybody other than just the two main studs and even when we see you know ad out i'll probably lean more towards a guy like dwight howard or javel mcgee like you said maybe not the highest usage but javel's averaging 1.22 dk points per minute with uh ad off the floor and dwight howard's not far behind him at 1.13 and he's still getting the most amount of minutes when ad's off the floor so um, i'm with you it's two guys for me and it's it's that cut and dry um and it's it's yeah. No surprise. I mean, it's kind of been that way for any team that's had LeBron on him for a while, other than his time over there in Miami uh, in a couple of years with Kyrie. But um, yeah, man, it, it's it's that's the team. And we've talked about a couple teams. I know the um, Leighton and Coach hit the Rockets, who have the the two main guys, and then Covington and others. Uh, me and Coach were on the Dallas the Mavericks podcast. We were talking about how it's Luca, Porzingis, and then really no one else. I mean, Hardaway Jr. a little bit. But um, I know Coach was saying I challenge anybody to have only or a, a team that only has two people, just like the Mavericks. It's the Lakers, man. Uh, it's LeBron James, Anthony Davis. They average one and a half fantasy points per minute. They are this team, and that's pretty much it. Uh, you like you said, you could you can go after McGee and Howard if you need to, or if Davis is out because he does miss games. But uh, LeBron really doesn't miss games. He's only missed a few games this year. He's only missed, he only misses a few games every year, except for last year was just a fluke injury. And, um, I'm glad that he came back because people were counting him out. People were saying, Oh, he's 36 years old. What are the Lakers doing? LeBron James is past his prime. And he's just shown everybody this year that you don't count out greatness before greatness says they're done. And it's just, it is how it is when you're this good and you are the King. Um, he's, he's just, he puts this team on his back all the time, whether AD's in the lineup or not. And whoever he's playing with, like I, I said before, he's, what, made eight to nine straight finals with uh, some of those Cavs teams were so bad that he made the finals with. It just speaks volumes to how good this guy is and how, not good, how great this guy is when he has a basketball in his hands or is just on the court in general. Um, the Lakers, they're pretty, them and the Clippers, I don't see anybody else making that finals. Uh, it's just going to be a really fun finals, especially if we're continuing the way that things were going. Uh, maybe something changes with this whole 
couple months off. I know LeBron was rolling right before this. The Clippers were starting to get healthy right before everything went down. But if you, I can't see any other team taking the Lakers and Clippers out of that conference finals. And then one of them, the Staples Center, will represent the West in, in the championship. I just don't see any other way around it. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. It's you don't need to be an L.A. fan. Like I'm not a Laker fan. I'm not a Clipper fan. Uh, but it's apparent that these are the two best teams in the NBA. Arguably, the Bucks can be involved in there, too. Probably the only team out of the Eastern Conference I'd even put in the same sentence as those other two. And it's basically defensive brand band, uh, brand basketball. I mean, the Lakers have had the one of the best team defenses all season long. And it comes as no surprise. They kind of built their team around that defense just because they know that if they need a bucket late in the game, they have the best player in the world who can control the game better than, and I think that's the one thing people uh, take for granted when it comes to LeBron. Yes. He's got the best vision. Yes. He's one of the best passers of all time. He's one of the best scorers of all time. He's one of the best at everything of all time, but the way that this dude controls the tempo and the way that he can control a clock and a game in general is, is second to none. I mean, this dude just commands all attention on the court and he will bring the ball up, use 10 seconds off the shot clock before he even gets there because he's a basketball genius. This dude's running plays in his head before they're even there available on the court. He's calling the shots. He's the floor general. Um, I, I'm, I'm super excited. And you, you touched on it. People, I think, of LeBron James is out of his prime at the age of 36. And even when he came back from that injury last season, clearly playing through pain. Clearly. The guy was yeah. not right. He was not supposed to be on the court for at least another month or two before he came back. And... Yes, he looked like he was hurt, but he still looked like the best player in the NBA while he was playing. It's yeah, I, I, we're in for a treat for this guy's entire career. And, you know, the reason why these two teams are so good is uh, you think of the, the best four or five two way players in the NBA. There's no conversation you don't have without Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James in there. Uh, a healthy Kevin Durant you could throw in there. And then Giannis, uh, those those were those are four of the five, and then you can insert whoever you want in that fifth spot. But those are four of the five best two-way players in basketball, and it's no coincidence that those are the top three teams in the NBA right now, um, or in my opinion. But you don't have Durant, so he's not in the conversation at the moment. But it's just we know the NBA is a star league, a superstar league. You have superstars who are the superstars of the superstars. They're just elite of the elite, and it's just – that's how it is. That's why they're so good, and they're they're playing great, and they show that every day on the court. Um, but speaking of, uh, I was I was going to touch upon their contracts quick. We we pretty much know what the Lakers have in contracts. It's LeBron James for this year, the rest of this year, next year, and then he has a player option. Uh, Anthony Davis has a player option coming up this summer. I personally think he's going to decline it and test free agency with quotations around it. Test. I don't think he's going to go anywhere, but. Uh, we know this is a weak free agent class. Class, why not uh, max out right now while you still can, and then probably do what LeBron does and uh, get get a max contract for three years or two three years, have that player option for the fourth year, so he can get another contract before he gets in his mid 30s or so and too old for it. Uh, you got Danny Green for around for about 15 million next year. KCP and Avery Bradley have player options for a total of uh, about 13 million. Um, Lou Aldeng's Funnily, still on the books for another two years. Javal McGee has another year at four million. Kyle Kuzma's at a cheap contract. They don't have, they really have nothing on their books. Um, Dwight Howard, Markeith Morris, Cousins, all these people are coming off the books. It's just pretty much LeBron, AD, and Danny Green who are taking up money. Everybody else is not. And I, I forgot to even mention Danny Green before. Another awesome role player, awesome two-way guy. He plays his role. To perfection. He's been on multiple championship teams, on multiple teams that have won championships as well. Um, and yeah, he he plays his role great, and he knows what he's doing. And he's an, another not high usage guy. But if people are out, uh, like a LeBron James is out, maybe you look at him because he could heat up in in a hurry. But that besides that, you're you're really not going to touch him in DFS as well. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's hard to rely on any of the plethora of guards that they have and the wing players they have in DFS just because they're they're all good in their own rights. Like you touched on Danny Green being a great two-way player. Avery Bradley is the same kind of mold, maybe to a lesser degree, uh, but he's always been known for his perimeter defense. And, uh, you know, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, he'll, I can't imagine him declining his player option because I don't see him making and drawing a lot of attention in other markets. Um, I don't know how you quite feel about that. Uh, 8500000 is what he's going 
to opt into if he does. Maybe he can see another million somewhere else, I mean, but next this year is supposed to, is a weak free agent class. So if he's going to cash in, it would be this year. I would, if I were him, I would decline it and try and make more money this year. If he waits till next year, there's going to be a lot more mouths to feed in that free agent market. I don't think the money's going to come around. Um, it might not even come around this year, but I think it's a a better chance that it does come around with a weaker class to go up against. Yeah, I mean, we can argue that maybe he wants to get more playing time somewhere else. I can't see a team giving him any starters minutes anywhere. He's probably going to be a bench guy no matter where he goes. Um, But, you know, crowded backcourt over there. A lot of those guys that we just said are going to be under contract for quite some time. So, uh, yeah, we could see. I'm not a big KCP guy. He's not a guy that really, uh, you know, stands out for me. I know that he took a lot of flack this season on Twitter from mostly Laker fans, Santino. So, you know, coming from the, the horse's mouth, how do you feel about him? As being a Laker fan, are you a KCP believer or are you ready to see this guy go elsewhere? Um, for me personally, I really don't care about uh, Lakers Twitter. It's pretty annoying. I know. I don't want to be jumbled into that whole uh, thing <laughs> where anytime someone has a bad game, you're going to go against them. Uh, I saw it in Rob Palenka. I mentioned LeBron James was getting a lot of heat. He was getting a lot of heat from everybody, but Laker fans were giving him a lot, uh, pretty much the most heat. And it was, I didn't understand it. We weren't going to win last year anyway. And I said we because I don't know. I feel like I'm part of the team right now. But um, yeah, we weren't. They weren't going to win. And KCP, I think he's a good player for what he does. Uh, he's another guy, kind of like Danny Green, but not really. He can get hot when he wants to. He can get his create his own shot off the dribble. He can shoot. Um, he's a pretty good player, role player. He's not anything special. If you expect uh, what some of these people are expecting out of him, you're just going to be disappointed. So. If you have realistic expectations of what you think uh, KCP can do, maybe 12 points a game when he sees 22 minutes, uh, get you a couple assists, move the ball around pretty well. Um, he, he's a decent rebounder for a guard. He plays hard defense. Uh, he doesn't really translate to the box score, but he plays hard. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a good role player for this team, and he does his job right. I don't see anything to really hate on him or harp on him for, but... Um, people can find anything these days. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, they're another team, though, when we just talk about maybe a crowded point guard position where they have three, four guys that they can regularly use at that position. So, um, you know, who do you see being on this team at point guard? Obviously, LeBron James is their point guard of, you know, every single day. But they also have guys like the fan favorite Alex Caruso, uh, Quinn Cook, who we saw make a name for himself in Golden State last season and kind of show that he is a valuable role player. And then they still have Rondo, who's got a player option next season as well. So with all those guards, you can't imagine that they keep all those guys, right? For uh, you keep them for next year? Yeah, I mean, I got to see one of these guys getting moved for something, whether it's a pick or, or, or a veteran or something. That that could be. But, um, I mean, Quinn Cook's making a couple million dollars a year, I think $3 million on the dot. Alex Crusoe's making even less. Rajon Rondo's making even less than Alex Crusoe, so they're really not paying them any money. Uh, Rondo has a player option going into, the, or going into next year, so he'll probably decline that as well, looking for one last uh, hurrah contract. Maybe if they win a championship, maybe he comes back um, same price or whatnot, or even accepts or opts into it. But um, they could look to move them, but they they pretty much play differently. Quinn Cook plays a lot off the ball when he does play too. He's a good shooter. Um, you mentioned he has a championship pedigree with the Warriors. Rondo has championship pedigree as well. He's more he doesn't shoot, but he he facilitates that offense in the second unit. And Alex Caruso is just the fan favorite, so I don't see him really going anywhere unless someone gives up a first-rounder for him. But they're all making less than $9 million combined next year if Rondo opts in. So you don't really have any incentive to move them for nothing. Um, They're all playing pretty well with the role that they have. If they can get something for them, I'm sure they'll look, but it's not something that they're going to suddenly get rid of them because they have a a gluttonous at the point guard position. I feel that. I feel that. That's a good. That's a good take on that. I mean, you know, why not just let the guys walk on their own, get their money off the books at the end of next season if that's what they want to do, if they're not going to get anything for them, um, and then just have that money available. Uh, you know, I could see maybe Cook drawing like a second round pick or something like that, just because he's got a little upside. Uh, you're right though. Caruso's not going anywhere. The way that guy yams putbacks uh, gets <laughs> gets Laker Twitter on their feet. 
Um, yeah. So I, I can't see him. One of my favorite. I want to see something what Costas can do. I mean, I'm I'm a big onto the Kumpo guy. You've known that for years now. I've I've always kind of been following their entire family between Costas, uh, Giannis, and Donis, and I believe they even have a younger brother who's playing uh, in high school ball right now, who's making a name for himself out there. So. I think this he's 22 years old. You know, we saw it take a lot of time for Giannis to put things together. And he was kind of the work and project uh, process for like the first three seasons he was in the NBA. Do you ever see Costas making that jump? Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a Giannis, but do you see him being a, a contributing role player? Um, I know he had very limited minutes over there in Dayton. Uh, but, um, you know, we could see something from him. I don't know. Uh, it's very hard to predict a guy like that. Uh, I know his, bro- his brother is, is pretty good. <laughs> I got to imagine these, these guys just practice together and his brother's just like right. something's got to be rubbing off of Giannis onto these guys. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. I don't yeah, I want to see it. I, I haven't really seen him play much to actually give a, an analysis on him. Uh, I hope he's something like his brother or even 10 percent of what his brother is, because that would be a steal. But he's also supposed to come off the books next year. He's on a, he's all, he's only on a two-way contract, so he might just team up with uh, his his brothers out there. But we I don't exactly know what he'll bring to the table. My hope I ho- what I hope is that the Lakers bring back Cousins and Cousins can stay healthy or someone of Cousins' nature for a cheap contract like that. Uh, give give them that third star that they really wanted this year and they thought they had and then. They lost them very early on, but that's what I think they're going to do. Try and get a, a veteran who wants to win a championship, wants to make a name for himself and doesn't cost too much, but is a very talented player in his own right and will accept a third star role like that. Absolutely. Well, anything else that you're noticing on like the contract end or anything that we maybe should keep an eye on as far as when playoffs you know, do come back is we already touched on it going to be in the Western Conference. Could be in the NBA Finals. Um, you know, they brought in Dion Waiters right before this break uh, kind of took place. So, you know, they have a, a few guys that they're kind of gearing up for, bringing in Markeith Morris, kind of getting ready for that playoff run. Yeah. Um, you know, do you see Waiters or, you know, I know Markeith's going to have a somewhat of a small role, but do you think Waiters has any role in playoffs? Or do you think he's just there on the end of the bench to throw in when you need a bucket uh, or when games get out of hand? It's similar to what the Clippers are doing. I mean, they're – the, both of these teams are trying to win a championship this year. So they're bringing in veterans who've been there, done that, who you know uh, the stage isn't too big for them or stage isn't too bright for them. And you know when things are going wrong, just throw them in and see what happens. Uh, Waiters, I can see him getting hot a few games. Like uh, this, the offense is stagnant. The second unit's not doing much. Throw in Deion Waiters, see if he can still get buckets on his own because he's shown throughout his career that he can. I know this year has been one uh, challenge after another for the guy but he is a reliable scorer and he has shown talent throughout his career so he's a guy that if you need him if there's some foul trouble maybe uh danny green's getting foul trouble avery bradley's just not scoring at all throw in Deion waiters see if he can he can get buckets he's going to get open shots playing with lebron james and anthony davis can he can he um hit on them so he's a good guy to I wouldn't I wouldn't target him in DFS at all, but uh, he's a guy who you're gonna look at if he has a big game or two or makes a couple big shots. Same with Marcus Markeith Morris, um, another guy, veteran, been there, done that, uh, has been through the grind for a decade now or so. Uh, he's just another guy that in the playoff, come the playoffs, you want those people who's who are tried and true and tested, and you need somebody to stabilize the game for you, uh, to give you 15, 20 productive minutes when they are on the court, and to know that. Uh, they're going to play hard regardless of results, and they're going to they're gonna get after it. All right. I like it, dude. I like it. I like getting some Lakers information out of you because I know you're the guy that's sitting there reading the beat reporters, beat reporters um, <laughs> articles. So uh, I know we can always get some good information just, out of you, Santino. So. I'm just hoping that uh, Lou Aldang's contract <laughs> can get bad. off the books. We, we, always, we always joke and reference back to Bobby Bonilla in baseball, and there's another guy that's just fleeced. <laughs> he just fleeced and gets paid. And for yeah. years and years and it's to the point where he's like i don't even want to play just keep paying me he doesn't he has no interest in coming back to the nba whatsoever and i'm i can't knock the guy well, for it they well. had they had to do it to get davis's contract under the books so uh, this guy just got paid and it's funny um same same with everybody in that in that year that the contracts just went crazy i, I know the lakers at 1201 i was very pissed about this they signed timothy mozgov for a max contract at 1201 right when free agency started and i just was like what the hell what just happened and then lou aldang followed him with another max a couple hours later and i just turned off my phone after that because i didn't want to see anything else 
I just assume that like Maurice Wagner is Timothy Mozgov's like cousin. I mean, those guys both <laughs> being being Lakers at one point, uh, it, you know, one left, the other one pretty much came. So uh, I, I I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on that one, but uh, do you have anything else for us as far as Lakers? No, uh, that's pretty much it. We we know that big two guys are there, and then everybody else is um, just there playing the role. Yeah, I think it's the, I think the same could be said for both teams right now when you look at both of them. It's just the two main guys. The Clippers have a couple more role players. But, uh, you know, as always, guys, if you can give us a thumbs up, uh, rate and review, we'd greatly appreciate that. It means a lot. You can find our podcast all over the place. Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, uh, iHeartRadio, iTunes. We are literally everywhere, guys. And if you can give us a follow on Twitter, I know me and Santino would greatly appreciate that. You can find Santino at Santino Cocone, S-A-N-T-I-N-O-C-A-C-C-O-N-E. And you can find me at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E. A-P-O-T-R-I-A. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. And before we start breaking up into uh, other sports, I know that we still need to get Santino and Coach back on here to re-record that Suns and Timberwolves podcast. So maybe that might be coming. If not, we'll be jumping right into baseball. So keep your eyes peeled on that. If you haven't already, come join us in the Discord. Become a member over here at Coach Talk, TFS Coach Talk. We got plenty of contests and games and prizes being handed out left and right. We have guest uh, guest hosts coming on, a couple of celebrities, and it's going to be a good show, man. It's it's a fun time, and I would recommend that try it out, guys. It's we do monthly. Give it a shot, you know. Let, let us help you guys yeah. get to where you need to be. You know, we'll teach you to fish instead of just giving you a fish, and we'll all have some fun in Discord. So, uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, we will be back. Have a good day. Stay safe. Stay healthy, and stay inside.